everybody. Happy Friday morning. Yay for Friday. We should say Friday, actually, right? That's my new uh, new way of saying it. Probably along with all the internet. Um, thanks, you guys, for joining us. I was just telling uh, Coach Amanda that um, I am looking really pretty this morning. I uh, swam, and I swear to God, the goggles are going to make me look 10 years older. Do you have any tips for that, Amanda? I know you're a swimmer, too. Like, Oh my gosh, no! It's I, I want tips because I don't, and I don't think you look bad. I don't see oh. goggle marks at all, so I think you're doing pretty well. Well, I think overhead lighting, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I mean, I feel like I need like something kind of like avocado oil or I don't know shea butter or something to put under my, you know. And they, I mean, they always like try to sell me on like the under eye cream, you know, like a dab it on yeah. really easily, you know, gently, and I'm always like. <sighs> Anyway, yeah. <laughs> swimming, and then I just had a little needling session in my back, so I'm feeling really. Uh, spry and, and young this morning. I've been yeah. in the cradle all morning. Um, anyway, that's we're not here to talk about what I did this morning. We're here to talk about your racing and your training going with Coach Amanda in the um, half marathon and marathon programs. And uh, first of all, I have to say, I think they're doing really well, right? I think it's so hard to get going. I feel like uh, early January is easy because we're all New, Re New Year's resolution and then we got to kind of keep I feel like this is a hard time of year, isn't it? I, I agree. I think everyone's hitting that. You know, what, what a lot of people are, um, I just wrote about this, it, it, you know, for the 13.1s, but we're hitting that mid-cycle kind of doldrums. Yeah. It, you match it up with winter, and it's kind of, it can be tough. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. So you guys, uh, you know, every time we see another run up there or a win where you, um, you know, maybe go go out when you don't want to, which, you know, might at this point be, Five out of six runs, <laughs> um, you know, awesome, awesome. And we've got a bunch of questions today and we've got people here as well. Um, and so what I'm gonna start doing is I'm just gonna go through a couple of the written questions that people have written in. Um, because as I said in the, um, in the email that I sent in the Facebook page, what we're gonna do is we're gonna turn this also into a podcast um, so we can pull off the audio and you guys can listen to it uh, on your run, which is kind of fun. So we get, you know, we get video and audio and live chatter, hopefully. So if you are here and and um and you have a question, I would love it if you want to actually talk to us instead of typing it in. I understand if you have, you know, a screaming toddler or um, the vacuum cleaner going in the background or something, then we I get that. You don't necessarily have to do that. Um, but it's kind of fun to have a little interaction and a little uh, conversation. But but we'll start with some some written questions first that came in over the Facebook page. Um, I'm going to start actually with a question from Jen Savage, who was running the Pittsburgh Marathon. She says, um, I'm concerned about the hills because I do a lot of my winter runs on the treadmill. Yes, even the long ones. I love that the Crush It plan has some of the hill work days in there, but I'm wondering if I should be throwing in some treadmill inclines into my long runs or easy runs too. I do plan to get outside more when and if it ever stops snowing, and I have access to some good hills in my town, but for now, should she worry about it? And if so, what should she do to kind of replicate her, her marathon course in Pittsburgh? Yeah, I think it's a great idea to go ahead and incorporate some inclines into those treadmill runs um, because, you know, obviously Pittsburgh's not going to be flat. Um, and so, you know, there's no real science to it, I don't think. I mean, follow the plan later on where you do have the hill work, and if you can replicate that specifically onto the treadmill, great. Um, but, it, you know, it, it, until you get outside and you're on some hills, um, just, you know, go ahead, you know, like every mile maybe, once you've warmed up, every mile maybe throw in, you know, like a 
tenth or fifteenth of a mile's hill in there, maybe um, you know bump it up to like a three to five percent incline, something like that. I mean, if you want to get really specific, you can look at the profile of the Pittsburgh course, and you know you can even dial it in that way. Some people like to do that kind of thing, and, and you know there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, you know it's a great idea. Um, but don't feel guilty if you don't want to go to that extreme. So yeah. yeah. I like that idea a lot. I like, um, you know, what what are the um, bits of information that we had floating around the train, like a mother club, and I feel like this is a good thing for um, treadmill runners is to touch a button every minute, right? So to kind of have, I mean, you know, not to be like neurotic about it, be like, oh, it's 59 seconds, I better touch a button, but to switch it up. Just don't stay at, you know, 6.3 miles an hour for, you know, a 90-minute run, you know? Speed it up, yeah. slow it down, add some hills, take some hills away. But yeah, I mean, I think like um, like Coach Amanda said, I think I mean you'd be really badass if you you know looked at the the course and really take took a look at that. I would also look at the longest run on that marathon course, wouldn't you? Or the longest hill on that marathon course, wouldn't yeah. you? And yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. And yeah. and try to throw that into your runs, um, mimic that. Um, but it does, you know, it you don't have to do it every single run. Um, don't feel you know that obligated. But you know, a couple times a week if you want to get some some variation going in there. I think it's a great idea. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So our next question um, is coming from Sarah Middleton and Sarah, you are here. So I'm going to see if I can unmute you and see if you want to chat because your question is, is a good one. Are, are you there, Sarah? Sarah. Um, okay. Sarah, I'm leaving you unmuted. If you have a chance to talk to us, um, uh, she put her question thing up. Let's see. Are you there? Okay. Technical difficulties. If you want to talk, Sarah, just interrupt me. Um, she says, I don't get the whole cadence thing. Doing physio for a small injury, um, she says so she's doing physical, physical therapy for a small injury, and her physical therapist wants her to slightly increase her cadence because a shorter stride equals less impact, and that makes sense to her. However, if she takes more steps per minute, doesn't she have to run faster? She can't figure out how to keep an easy pace and increase her cadence. Or maybe that's the point. Um, and this, and then, and then there were a bunch of questions underneath saying yes, yes, yes. Please explain this. So, can you kind of talk, um, Amanda, about the difference between or the the correlation between um, cadence and pace, and how to focus on cadence without necessarily increasing your speed? Yeah. So, um, th th there's a, been a lot written about 180 as being the magic number yes. for cadence. Um, it's it's an ideal. It's not. A magic number for everyone. There are even elites who maybe don't even hit 180. Um, so, but it's just a ballpark figure. So, um, and yes, it is tougher to hit a 180 cadence at a slower pace. There's no question about it. Um, but it, you know, the, the idea behind it is it's going to keep your feet off the ground a little bit more um, and and less impact. You're hitting the ground lighter. So, um, you know, try it. I, I've done actually. I did a, a chi running workshop years ago and. Um, and he, Danny, who is the instructor and the creator of Chi Running, I mean, he was hitting that 180 cadence at no matter what pace he was running. He showed it at like three different um, paces and he was able to do it. It's not that easy, I'm going to tell you. Um, so I would just say try it, make it your goal. Um, don't sweat it and kill yourself if you're not getting there. And at the end of the day, um, my thinking on it is that more and more research is showing the the, the best thing to be striving for is the quietest foot strike. That that there are you know there's a lot of new studies coming out showing that 
the quieter footsteps are the less impactful footsteps, regardless of your cadence. So, you know, it's something you might want to toy with is different ways of hitting the ground. And, and um, you know, I used to, I've actually toyed with it myself. I went from heel striker to midfoot striker and then back to a heel striker because my PT found that I was much quieter when I was heel striking. So, um, and that was irregardless of cadence. Um, so those are some parameters. I, I don't want to see anyone beating themselves up because they're not getting to a 180 cadence. It's a great goal. Shoot for increasing your cadence if you can. Don't beat yourself up if you're not getting there. I agree. I agree. And um, I have to I have to kind of bookend your um, chi running thing because I have also done the I did a, I didn't do it with Danny Dreyer. Um, I did it with uh, another woman here, Mary, whose last name is for, uh, escaping me right now, but she's out here in Colorado. Um, and I did it because I was so injury prone. Right. And, um, and yeah, the 180 thing is, is, um, I think is for elite runners or people who are natural runners. And I know like that's kind of a loaded term, but I feel like, you know, if running comes easily to you, then maybe you can get to that. But I mean, I am almost six, four, I'm like, there's no way I'm ever going to get my legs to turn over at 90, you know, 90 steps a minute. What I have, what I learned there, I mean, there's a ton of, I mean, chi running is like a book this thick and it's got a lot of stuff in it. And, I, and there's definitely some good stuff to take away from that. But I think the biggest thing is what you said, not making noise, being quick and light, like almost like thinking that your feet, um, like you're landing on hot coals and trying to kind of pick them up faster like that. And then also um, the other thing that that I find, and, and I'm guessing that this might be why your physical therapist talked about your cadence is you might be overstriding a little bit, Sarah. And so if you think about trying to land underneath you, like have your foot land under your hips when you um, land, that you're not you're not going to do that really. Your your foot's always going to land in front of you. I mean, you know, that's just the way that that um, running works. But if you think about having it land underneath you, you're going to take a shorter step. Now. Um, you know, one of the things about pace and cadence, I mean, yes, your when your cadence goes up, your pace will go up. But if you think about almost just like bobbing along a little bit, which, um, that's, that's one thing that I do when I want to try to like land, um, light and quick is I almost think like, I don't care how fast I go. I just want to keep my footsteps really light and try to try to, you know, almost cut them in half. Um, and, it doesn't necessarily have to increase your pace, but like you said, it is, it's a little bit harder to do that. But if you, you know, if you just think about light, quick, light, quick feet and, and um, no matter where you're at, um, I think that that's a good place to, to start. Do you think that that helps? Are you there, Sarah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. And I remember another thing from another one of the cues from, um, from Chi that I liked was, was picturing a cat and how a cat lands, you know, that nice light, you know, and, and so like if you, Put visual cues in your head. Sometimes that helps. Too. Yeah, yeah. The other one. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Amanda. Sorry. Oh no, I just wanted to comment. I wanted to expand on this one little bit because someone in the Facebook had had um, asked a question this week about um, increasing stride length, also, and um, you know, which is kind of related. And I and yeah. I and I, I want to just make a comment on that. And 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 that you know, if you're going to try to increase your stride length, your natural tendency is going to be to reach out further with your foot, and that is absolutely opposite of what you want to be doing. Yeah. Um, so I, I wouldn't even play with it, but if you are intent on playing with it, think about increasing your stride length backwards. You want to be, you know, pushing off, um, yeah. off that toe and, and, and extending backwards more than you want to be reaching out. So 
if anyone wants to be playing with that, that, that would be my. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no reaching for the front. That's just a hamstring yeah. uh, injury waiting to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the other thing, the, going back to the cat, the other one. Um, so I wrote about this for Runner's World and, and they did an illustration um, for the, the opening spread. And it was um, a unicycle. That's the other cue that uh, Chi Running uses. And I think that that's a, a really helpful one as well. If you think about like you're kind of running on a unicycle. Um, or sitting on a unicycle, and I, I realize not many of us <laughs> have ever done that, but it's it's that constant, you know, it's like pe pedaling a bike. You know, you're constantly just moving your feet. You're, you're just kind of booking along, you know, and you've got a little bit, you've got to be up straight, right? You can't be slouching on a unicycle. So you've got really good posture. And you've got a tiny lean. Not We're not leaning from the hips. We're leaning from the ankles. And it's just a tiny, tiny lean forward, and you're just kind of pumping it out. So that's another one. But, I mean, if you get – hung if you're and I'm not saying your physical therapist is wrong but I I don't want you to get hung up on this because yeah uh, the last thing that we'll, we can say about this is that there's a lot like Amanda said there's a ton of things written about this and a lot of it comes back to whatever is your natural stride is probably your best stride like can we yeah. tweak it a little bit of course but are we yeah. going to do a total overhaul no because that's just going to yeah. set off something else so yeah um, it's not a magic bullet it's 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 you know, it yeah. can be helpful, but it's not a magic bullet. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, um, so I'm going to ask a question from um, Jen Rucker, um, but then uh, Lisa Roberts, your question is next. So if you are around and you want to talk, um, I'm going to unmute you after we answer this question, just letting you know. So Jen is coming back from an injury. She also, I know, has a hamstring thing. And she says, I know my paces won't be the same right away. What's the best way to figure out what my new pace should be for tempo runs once they can be incorporated again? Um, so initially, I don't even want you thinking about your pace when you're coming back from an injury. Um, that's that's the first step. Um, but when you get to a stage, you know, six, eight weeks down the road, and I know you may not want to hear that, but um, when you've got your base back underneath you and you're ready to start incorporating some faster paced running, um, I would suggest doing um, maybe testing yourself on the track. Go out, um, test yourself for a one or two mile um tempo-like effort, you know, going as fast as you can for that period of time without losing steam. So look at your splits every quarter as you're going, I'm sorry, back up. Do the test on a track um, and look at your splits every quarter mile to make sure you're sustaining your pace and, and it's a good, hard, solid effort. And then go back, use a pace calculator, kind of plug that in um, to get maybe your ideal race pace and then adjust your um, tempo based on that. So, and also another way is to not really sweat the actual pace. A tempo effort can be what you can sustain comfortably for an hour, comfortably hard for an hour. Yeah. Um, so, you know, judge when you're out there doing that tempo, can I keep this up for an hour? You know, if not, dial it back a little bit. But so those are a couple of easy ways to do it. And again, coming back from injury, I don't like seeing people obsess over pace. I think, um, don't, don't push yourself. Yeah. I am 100% in agreement there. And Jen, I know you and I have commiserated a little bit about our matching hamstrings. And um, I have to say, pace is not going to be, I just, I don't, I just, I just want to back up what Amanda said. Please don't obsess about your pace. Don't worry about your tempo pace. Like the best thing to help you avoid an injury, um, or one of the things I wouldn't say the best thing, but a helpful tool in the injury prevention kit is knowing to run, learning to run by feel and not by what's on your GPS. Right. And so, if you say, oh my gosh, I've got to hit this nine minute mile for my tempo or the, or the workout's going to be a failure and you go out and, um, you know, you've not been sleeping well, 
your nutrition was crap for the past three days because you were traveling, your kid is sick, and um, the best you can do is a 945, and you push and you push and you push because you you, you need to get that nine. I'm sorry, your hamstring get hurt again. I'm not saying that's you, Jen. I'm saying that's in general. That's what people do is that they they decide that if they don't hit that that magic number, that is going to um, be there, you know, then, then the workout's a wash. And that's not at all the case. And um, it's really, really important. And Coach Amanda stresses this so much is you got to meet yourself where you are, right? And so maybe the clock at your – I know you're doing a half marathon this spring, and then I think you've got um, a marathon teed up for the fall. So let's get you through this half marathon healthy, able to run 13.1 miles, feeling strong and injury-free, and then we can kind of tee you up for the marathon um, and, and, and get your tempo runs in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so Lisa, um, I'm going to unmute you and see if you can um, talk. Are you there, Lisa? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Thanks for joining cool. us this morning. Yeah, very cool. So I love your question. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when does it get easier? So talk about – let's talk about um, – then you put laugh out loud, but let's talk about where you are. You are training for what race, first of all? I'm actually, my goal race is the Kentucky Derby Festival mini marathon um, at the end of April. And just motivated by an extra t-shirt and an extra medal, <laughs> I decided to sign up for the <laughs> Run the Bluegrass Half at the beginning of April. That Saturday actually corresponds oh. to a 12-mile long run on the plan. So Okay. So you got, I figured, hey, hey, I'll go and just kind of run that um, with no expectations. And again, I get actually two, two extra T-shirts and two extra medals because uh, we're completing this this uh, uh, Kentucky half festival. So awesome. I'm excited about that. Do you live in Kentucky? But, um, I guess my question is kind of uh, – yeah, I actually, I moved back. I, I went to school in Lexington and lived here for a couple of years and then uh, work moved me back. So I was, you know, this is kind of celebrating being back in, in the state. So <laughs> awesome. Congratulations. So yeah, so what's going on? Let's, let's talk about your training. I guess um, I, I completed my first half marathon um, using the Galloway method. It was the Disney princess half and that's all about the, the Galloway method. And, and I've used that approach in, in three subsequent half marathons, but I really had my heart set on running, running the whole time. So for this uh, training group, I signed up for the, the run plan, not the race, but the run. Sure. But I'm just finding myself like, you know, and maybe I'm just putting the cart before the horse because and the Galloway plans, on week two or three, we were not running eight miles. We were running like four miles or five miles. But I guess I'm just trying to figure out if there's what I can do to sort of um, maybe get hit a halfway point, not, not the run oh. walk plan, but maybe if I'm not quite ready for the, you know, running the whole time and adding in some walk breaks because I've just felt gassed after a couple of my uh, long runs. And, you know, not really a specific injury, but it just – they don't feel good, and and you know there's a lot of things that can factor. I've I'm a couple years older. I've had another kid, but I, I just am trying to figure out how I can maybe incorporate some more walking. So I'm just not like feeling like crap at the end of my long runs. Yeah, well, we definitely don't want you to feel like crap. So that's a good question, Amanda. She was kind of going in and out. Did you get that whole yeah. question? I, I think I got most of it. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean. If you liked Galloway and it worked well for you, um, 
I guess a suggestion I might have would be maybe to go to the end of the Galloway plan, you know, where you were, you know, almost race ready, and maybe use that approach. Um, so what I mean by the end of it, I mean by the ratios of walk, walking to running, um, and maybe use that in your long runs only. Maybe run, commit to running all the other runs as runs, and then maybe with your long runs, since that's the one, since that's the one you're struggling with, maybe incorporate that ratio into those long runs. So I don't know if that would equate to, I know I've seen people um, race with Galloway and it's like what, like a minute of walking at every mile or something like that. I don't know. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe try doing that with those long runs and see how that works out for you. Um, you know, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that and I don't think it'll hurt you getting ready in any way, shape or form, um, but it might just save your energy level a little bit. Um, and the other question I would have is whether or not, you know, are you trying to push your pace at all on those long runs or are you, are you relaxing into them, letting your body kind of take over, you know, just, you know, just making sure you're not running too fast during the long runs too. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think some, sometimes I do think I, I do that. Maybe I'm, I'm not the greatest at um, starting easy a lot of times I feel like I start out too hard and moving moving back to I'm in northern Kentucky so I like I'm in the like greater Cincinnati area and it is hilly and I've been here for about two years now but it still seems like the hills are just kicking my butt <laughs> and I can't avoid them there's like it's just inevitable so <laughs> yeah. how do you feel about walking hills I am okay with that, and I found myself walking up a giant hill in my neighborhood at mile six of my seven-mile long run last Saturday. So I, I only felt shame when I realized that there was a guy, like, sprinting up behind me, and I had my earbuds in, and I didn't see him until he, like, blew past me. But <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's tough. I, I, um, I have math trained before, which requires you to keep your heart rate at a certain level. That You know, this is MK's um, – uh, area of expertise, but, um, you know, and, and, and the only way to keep the heart rate down when you get to the hills is to walk them all, and I've done entire runs where I've, I've had to walk all the hills, and, and, yeah, it takes a little bit of um, tamping down that ego, um, yeah, but, you know, that's also, you know, and, you know, hills take a lot of energy, and if you're in a, in a very hilly area, you know, maybe also try playing with doing a long run where you walk all the hills. Um, I, would, I would say experiment with a couple of, you know, Different approaches. Try the the run walk um, approach, like I said, with the Gal you know the Galloway type approach on your long runs, and and try walking the hills, and um, try both on you know try one this Saturday, one the next Saturday. I don't know. Experiment a little bit and see what what feels the best and how your energy levels are holding up. Yeah, I think that those are really good tips, Amanda. I would also say, um, Lisa. I mean, the pace thing. You know, it is it's you're not the only person that has a hard time starting slow. I mean, everybody listening, everybody, you know, including Coach Amanda and I right here have a hard time starting slow. What I think you want to do is when you take on your next long run, um, say it's eight miles this weekend, pretend like you have to run three more miles than you have to. Okay, so say you have to run 11 miles. If I was, if I was sitting at, you know, your house at mile eight and I say, okay, Lisa, great, go for three more miles. Um, you know, if you're in order for you not to want to cut my head off, you would have to be going at a pace for those previous eight miles that doesn't totally, like you said, gas you out, right? So, I mean, really, really dial back your pace on your long runs. Your long run pace is does not have um, a whole lot of application to your race pace. And I think that people really um, 
race their training, right? And they think, and they think that if I, I better go be able to run nine miles at the pace that I want to run on race day. And, um, and in fact, everything from the McMillan calculator on up says at least, um, you know, around a minute slower, if not more. Don't, right, Coach Amanda? Yeah, absolutely. And there's a real value in running slower. Um, I mean, it, it's it's helping your body adapt to the training and it's, 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 you know, developing more oxygen pathways within your muscles and things like that. So there is real, real value in it. So don't ever feel, you know, I don't know, don't ever be hard on yourself if you think you're running too slow. Or it, it, I, I honestly think there's not too much of a, a, of a real thing as running too slow. I think it's okay if it's, if it's an easy day. If it's not written as speed work, I don't think there's a limit to how slow you're going. I really don't. Yeah. And, and, if, you, and, if, and if your goal, Lisa, is to run the full half marathon, like you want to run without, um, without you know, without, with only like maybe stopping at aid stations, you know, a couple aid stations for some, some water you know, if that's your goal, if that's really what's most important to you, then you're going to have to slow down to do that. Right. And then we can pick up the pace after that. But if you, if you, you said, you know, I'm reading your, your question and you say you want to be able to run the whole thing because that makes you a real runner. Well, not, that's not true for sure. I know, I know that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, is is that, is that, but I can't, I can't, (laughs) you can't get over it. I understand. I get that. I mean, so is it, is that your biggest goal is to be able to run a half marathon? Yeah, I think so. Because again, and and I know this is like totally in my head. I feel like my my first couple, you know, there's almost like an asterisk by them because I was doing like the the run walk intervals. So, I mean, I really I really would like to run this one. But I mean, I also have signed up for another yet another Kentucky Half Marathon in October. So I've actually kind of readjusted my goals. Maybe maybe these I just need to to you know, try to run them and then, yeah, like get to that point and then maybe, maybe try to get speedier for the October race. I don't know. I just really want to finish them all and be standing up. <laughs> I, I think that's a great plan, especially if after the spring races, you know, you um, get yourself into one of the holding patterns um, and so that you don't, you know, lose a bunch of fitness or, you know, that kind of thing so that you can maintain it all the way through and use that momentum right on into the fall. You know, I think that's a great plan. I'm, I mean, the other thing, cool. Lisa, thanks so much, guys. Yeah, the last thing, and I'll, I'll, t- I'll say this to you, and I'll say it to everybody um, on this webinar. If you're on a plan that doesn't feel right for you, um, like if you're on the run plan and you're like, you know what, that was too ambitious. I think I should be on the run walk plan, or alternately, I want to be on the race plan. Like, we can switch you over for that. That's not, you know, that's not a um, a charge or anything like that. I'm happy to give you the other plan, and you stay in the same Facebook group and, and newsletter and all that stuff. So the other thing I would say to you, Lisa, is the run walk plan does. Um, take you up to, you know, segments where you're basically running for 15 minutes or 13 minutes. I can't remember. Uh, I don't have it off. I don't have it in front of me right now, but I mean, we definitely increase the length of the, the running and minimize the length of the walking. And so, you know, that might be a nice gateway because I feel like Galloway does, a, you go through the whole race doing four, one, four, one, or five, one, or whatever your ratio is, right. You don't, um, you don't necessarily like try to extend the, the running breaks or the running intervals. Does that make sense? Um, so anyway, so that's, that, that's just a little PSA. All right, we're moving on. We're moving on to Alexis um, Burnett, who says my shins are really sore. Anything besides ice and meds to help with that? Yeah, I, I was looking at that one. Um, you know, I mean, you, a couple of things you can do when you come in from a run, um, you know, maybe, 
um, a little bit of foam rolling, um, it, which doesn't have to be necessarily right after the run, but um, but it would help. Um, throwing some compression socks on, um, sleeping in compression socks, different things like that. Um, those can go a long way toward helping that. Um, yeah, there, it's um, yeah, shins are kind of tough. I don't beyond that. I don't yeah. have a lot of ideas. Yeah, I mean, I, I put up the foam rolling video, which. Um, we, we have the train like a mother club on the YouTube page. And I have to say that was new to me. Foam rolling your shins, like, holy cow. And it makes, it makes, I think it makes a huge difference. Do you ever do that, uh, Amanda? I don't, I, I don't ever have shin problems. Like I yeah. can't think of any time where I've had my shins hurting to need to yeah. do that. So, yeah. No, I don't. I, well, it also loose, I mean, it also just loosens up your lower, like, you know, your shins and your calves I'm are sure. kind of alternate, you know, so you don't necessarily have, yeah. have problems, but that's one. I would really, really recommend that you do that and do that on a, you know, foam roller that is firmer than a pool noodle, right? You know, you got to yeah. have a, some, some resistance behind it. Um, and then do shoes or um, shoes and uh, the surface that you run on, is, is that anything that we should talk about for Alexis? I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, okay. I, I have such mixed feelings on those being causative, big causative sure. factors. Yes, I agree. I agree. It's probably something else. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but I mean, shoes do have a lifespan. So if you have shoes yeah. that are, you know, that you've had for six months or may have, you know, have, you know, a couple hundred miles on them, definitely maybe take a look at those. Um, and I would personally, I would avoid the sidewalks just because, that's the hardest surface you can run on concrete is. So, you know, even pave, moving to pavement is um, just a little bit easier on your joints. So. And, and I guess one more thing I'm going to throw in there, and we've talked about this a lot with other people, but is maybe going to see a PT and have him give you a good look over, yes. watch you run, that kind of thing, see what's going on. Um, you know, yes. maybe you can get some relief. Yeah. Yeah. Some preventive, I mean, uh, you know, especially if you do want to, if they are really sore and you feel like they're not getting better after all those things, after foam rolling, after icing, after compression socks, you know, if they're still like sore to the touch, then yes, then that's time to bring in a physical therapist. And, um, you know, if you need more information on that, you can email us, but yeah, we definitely recommend going to somebody who has a running background, who wants to keep you active, who can, um, you know, has worked a lot with, runners and mothers because you know after you give birth your body changes significantly and your hips already weak from just being female are a lot weaker after giving birth and then carrying a baby around um you know on one hip for you know four or five years <laughs> depending on how needy your kid is um okay uh jennifer caldwell is looking for recommendations um for small snacks for a pre-dawn runner during the week I know you recommend um, doing, okay, so first of all, let's start with that. So small snacks, pre-dawn runner during the week. Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be quick, quick, um, easily digestible kind of things. Um, half a banana, I think, is great. Um, I'm not a huge prepackaged food fan, but, you know, I mean, you know, something like, um, you know, if, you can, if you've got a bar that you know you digest well, um, a nutrition bar, and, like, grab a half of that, you know, whatever it might be. Um, you can also, you know, this is up to you. It's all personal opinion and how you like to work. You can also train yourself to just run without any kind of fuel, especially for an easy run. I do it myself. I had to, it was a big, you know, change in, in the way I did everything. And it, it was a definite breaking in period to get to that point. But I, I essentially never eat before a run unless I'm doing a 20 miler. And I do that so that I'm ready to, to eat during marathons. So, so you can train yourself that way if you're so compelled. But 
quick, easily digestible kind of things. You don't need a lot of calories, um, especially on a shorter weekday run. You know, yeah. you, you, so that would be my recommendation on that. Yeah. So. Um, and I know Sarah and um, I don't remember who her co-host was, but they talked to the author of Roar, which is a um, Stacy Sims is her name, and she is a um, expert in um, female physiology and metabolism. And I and I have not listened to the podcast yet. I haven't had a moment to do that yet. But I know that she talks about taking in some fats before that. So like a Greek yogurt or something like that. Um, so you might want to give that a listen. Um, okay. And then Jennifer and Maureen are both wondering about the minimum warm up for super early morning runs. Um, so, you know, they say, we know you do some type of warm up before, like your prehab routine that is coming with, that's on their um, PDF, so their training plans. But you know, what is the minimum she needs to do when she wakes up at 4 a.m. to, to yeah. go out on a run? Yeah, um, I think five minutes you can be out the door. Honestly, I think if you really, you know, if you're pressed for time, and, and that's what I do a lot for those very early morning runs, um, you know, commit to 10 sets of lunges, you know, front lunges, 10 sets of side lunges, 10 sets of rear lunges, um, 10 squats, 10 donkey kicks, go out the door. You know, I mean, it can be really, really quick and easy, and it's just about getting those legs moving, getting the blood flowing, um, having you know your temperature rise a little bit before you're before you're out the door. So yeah, if you can if you can um, fit in that five minutes, um, that that'll go a long way. I agree. I agree. I think that's a, that's a great thing. And if you wake it up at 4 a.m., more power to you, Jennifer. I mean, it depends upon you know how long your morning routine is. That was another AMR podcast that we did yeah, Amanda, yeah. about <laughs> how how far you are from you know how long wake up to out the door and what you need to do in between. <laughs> Um, Maureen was also wondering, um, can she foam roll and do other stretching later in the day or is the benefit lost? Yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. Um, you know, it might even actually be some added benefit because you kind of stiffen out, stiffen up throughout the day, especially if you sit a lot, that kind of thing. And so, um, it's a great way to, you know, loosen up before you go to bed or, you know, wherever it's convenient for you. Yes, I agree. I agree. And yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, Find it a good way to pass the time um, watching television, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's hard yeah. to get down. But yeah. oh, actually, um, oh, Maureen, you have your little "Don't talk to me" um, uh, your little warning sign up. So I'm gonna wait until that comes down. But you have another question here on my. Oh, she just took it off. So let's see if she wants to talk because she's got a question about other morning runs. Are you there, Maureen? I think I am. Am I? Yes, you are. Hi. How are you? Oh, I'm at work, so I'm multitasking. Uh -huh. so, <laughs> no, no idea. Here we I am. Never do that. Getting never. it all in. <laughs> um, yeah. So my other question is: so I don't start until Monday. So okay. this is all in anticipatory fear, basically. No worries. Um, but I'm worried about those mid-week runs that are longer, like the six and seven milers. I run in the morning. I need to be home by 6.15 in the morning from my run to get the kids up and going. Sure. So I'm just trying to figure out, like, for the, like, the six and the seven milers, could I potentially do five and then two over lunch or something like that? And if I do do that, what's lost? So the real purpose of those midweek longer runs is again it's kind of like the long run on the weekend it's to help build your endurance um, so they do have a purpose um, and you know I like to see you do them to the extent that you can when you break them up you're not hurting anything in terms of um, you know I mean that's fine you can get your mileage in but you're not building your endurance quite as much um, just right. by body to be out there longer, training your body to be a better um, user of fat as fuel, that kind of thing. So that's the 
purpose of them. Um, it's not a deal breaker. I mean, if you know, I, I want I want it to work for you, and I understand. You know, there's a limit to how early you want to get up to get the mileage in, and all that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Maybe you want to try something like, you know, one once a week, get up 10 minutes earlier just to get in that extra mile, or mm. uh, and then the other week split them up like you're suggesting, or you know, and then maybe on the third week just get in the five miles if that's all you can get in, or something like that. Play with it, make it work for you. It's not going to make or break you, um, but it kind of, you know, it serves as bridging the gap between the long run and the shorter runs, and and totally, body, yeah, and getting your body to adapt to going longer. So, um, so that that's that's where that is. Okay, no, that totally helps and makes sense. Good, good. What what race are you training for, Maureen? It's the it's a Chicago um, half marathon, May twenty first. I seriously can't even. It's like the Chicago Spring okay. half marathon. So. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. And which plan are you on? Is that the running? Is that the run plan? 13? I'm on the run plan. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So there are a lot yep. of people yep. that chimed in about your question similarly. And I think we're all early morning runners. <laughs> well, and it's important. I mean, we don't like, we want these plans. I mean, yes, we need to, they need to challenge you, but not stress you out. Right. And so right. Like Amanda said, you know, if, if five miles is the best you can do, and that happens week after week after week, you know, that's, you know, I don't want you to, we don't want you to stand on the starting line in Chicago and say, Oh, I, I this, you know, I didn't do it right. You know, if you can do, you know, if you can do 80, 90% of the workouts, like that's, that's, that's an A, right. That's good. Right. So yeah. don't, right. you know, so don't, don't beat yourself up about it, I guess is, is my, is, is, I just want to make sure. And, and, and you mentioned like foam rolling, like in my mind, you know, and I, and I'm a very injury, injury prone runner, but you know, it's having that time, you know, taking those, instead of running those two miles to like get in your mileage, I would spend that time strengthening or doing the prehab routine and foam rolling, mm. you know? Okay. I mean, honestly, yeah. that's, that's, no, that, that that's going to make a, a bigger difference overall than those two miles that you might've missed in the morning. Okay. Cool. All right. Have Thank a good day at work. Keep up the multitasking. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Always. <laughs> All right. Um, Diana says, I'm, I'm just so meh this time, M-E-H, um, this time, meaning I think this training cycle. I ran my first full marathon in November, and now even six miles feels like I'm running in jello. I'm trying to find my mojo again, but I am seriously struggling. Any ideas? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, I don't know if she has a time goal for her half marathon, but, you know, um, if not, maybe try to set a time goal and, and try to use that as a motivator. Um, I think you need some sort of a carrot, right, that, that's yeah. um, you know, giving you reason for putting in the time training. Um, you know, maybe maybe after a, a full marathon of the fall, maybe you're half feeling a little bit, you know, you know, blah, not such a big, you know, goal, to, and you're coming down off of that marathon high, yes. you know, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, maybe that's where, you know, finding finding your real purpose with this half marathon, whether it be taking some time off from the last half marathon you ran, um, I don't know, using it as a way to, to maintain winter fitness and, and yeah. think about, you know, how good you're going to feel in the spring. Maybe you're thinking forward toward a, a fall marathon next fall, and, and this half marathon is a great way to, to – you know, to springboard you into the fall or summer training, that kind of thing. Um, you know, and then, then there's our motivational podcast too. We can go back and listen to some of those tips too. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we definitely hit a lot there. But um, but I also think honor your feelings a little bit. I mean, I find yeah. that, you know, especially it's your first marathon. I mean, I remember 
I mean, I've done two marathons in my life, so I haven't done a ton of them. So I can remember them pretty clearly. And I remember being so unmotivated for so long after running. I mean, I feel like it would, I mean, the fact that you're signed up for another race and it's February, you know, I mean, that's three months. That's not that long. Um, and so I'm not saying quit because I don't want you to quit, but I think you need to just realize <laughs> that, you know, it is normal to feel the way that you are. And so, like you said, like Amanda said, you know, put out some carrots or just say, you know what, like this race, this, 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 this round of half marathon training is all about just keeping my momentum, not losing, you know, my running lifestyle, not losing the groove that I have, this time that I've carved out for myself and, you know, and accept the fact that every run is not going to feel like you are, you know, you know, working towards this amazing goal of 26.2. But in fact, you're just saying, you know what, this is, this is the time that I'm taking for myself today and I'm going to be a better I'm going to feel better. I'm going to behave better. I'm going to, you know, ultimately put myself in a, in a more optimal place by doing this. And that is a good enough reason to be out here today. Um, I mean, and so you can, you know, that's kind of the more like, like la la reason for doing it. And then, you know, up to what coach Amanda said, which was, you know, trying to take some time off your last half marathon time, which is also, you know, very doable given that you've run a marathon, but somewhere in there, find a little, um, a sliver of joy, a sliver of purpose, and and try to just kind of chase that for a while. Um, because, you know, like we said, we're kind of, a lot of you guys, I know some of you haven't started yet, but, you know, the, the, the first week is, um, or the first wave is in the middle of week eight right now. So that's, you know, you're not, you're kind of not quite over the speed bump of the hump day of the, you know, the middle of the program. So definitely um, honor that. Okay. Uh, Tracy's asking, I don't understand how to pace myself when I'm running. I just run and sometimes a 1040 pace feels good. And sometimes a 940 pace feels good. How fast should I run? And how do I figure out how to run, how fast to run on race day? Yeah. So um, going back to a little bit of what I've touched on already, and that is when it comes to the easy runs, I don't want people caring about their paces on easy runs. I let your body dictate that. And if on one day it's a 940 and the next day it's a 1040, that's okay as long as you're honoring what your body is telling you to do. Um, so, um, you know, maybe try leaving the watch behind sometimes. If you know what your course is, if you know you need to go out and do a five-mile run, just go out and run it. Don't wear the watch. Don't look at it. Who cares? Um, that, that's my philosophy on that with, with, with the easier things. With figuring out a race pace, um, you know, a, a recent race run in like the last six months is always going to be your best indicator, and there are so many pace calculators out there to try to figure it out from there. Um, if you're applying it, you know, say you're training for a half marathon and you've run a 10K, use your 10 most recent 10K time to help you figure out where you should be for race pace um, for training purposes and, and for your goal for the race. Um, if you don't have a recent um, race result to go on, um, again, go out and try to do, you know, like a two-mile test on a track um, and go plug that into a race calculator. Um, that, that would be my best advice for, for those kind of things. So Yeah. yeah. Um, and again, you, you know, just I just I can't say this enough times to kind of have it sink in, but really like your long run, you should feel like you should be tired at the end of it in that like I'm like, you know, I'm I, I'm fatigued. I don't really want to go anymore, but it shouldn't be exhausting. It should not push yeah. you over the edge where you're like, oh my gosh, I just ran 10 miles and now 
I've got to, you know, take my kid to the play date and then I've got to go to Costco and then I've got, and I'm like, how am I going to do all that? Right. It's like, it shouldn't, it's not going to leave you energized. I mean, we're not that, you know, <laughs> we're not that silly to think that's going to be like, yay, but it's, it shouldn't leave you just completely teetering on the edge of exhaustion. And so, you know, again, like just to, to remind, just to go back, um, you know, stress on the body is stress on the body. It doesn't know whether it's getting stressed from a 10 mile run or you having a really tight deadline at work that is not going well, or um, your marriage isn't as smooth as you want it to be, or your kid is having troubles in school and you're not sleeping well and you're not eating well. Like it doesn't, it doesn't know that difference. It doesn't know whether it's physical stress, mental stress, or emotional stress. It is stress no matter what. And it does this, has the same physiological ramifications as that 10 miler does. So, you know, when you say sometimes a 1040 feels good and sometimes a 940 feels good, you run to feel good. Like that's the pace that you want, you know, it's going to vary like that. That's pretty human. Um, So, you know, as long as you're feeling good and you're feeling like it is not, depleting you, you know, you're not running at a tempo pace, you're running at an easy effort pace, you're good. And it's kind of sometimes it's, you know, if you do keep a training journal, you know, and you go back and you kind of record your paces and you record maybe just a couple notes about what's going on in your life, it's sometimes kind of easy to see, pull the um, correlations between the two. So just, yeah, yeah, that's a little, little, uh, yeah, I do. I do think I'm, I'm just going to speak a little bit and yeah. kind of take a tangent on here. And that is just that with all the technology we have and the GPS watches and this, that and the other, we have really become a culture of runners who is we're slaves to our watches. And um, there's a lot of benefit to not being a slave to your watch and and learning to run by feel and, and, and appreciating and honoring what, what your body wants itself to do that day. So um, rather than going, oh, my goodness, you know, I should be faster right now. Um, you know, like Nimity said, there there are so many factors that go into how your legs are going to perform on a given day, and and the watch shouldn't be dictating that. So totally, totally. So Sandy, I think you have a question. I'm going to see if I can unmute you and see if you're there. Um, let's see. Uh, Sandy, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Sandy. How are you? Hello. Hi. I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. Where are you calling from? I am in uh, Cincinnati, so neighbor to uh, northern Kentucky, and I, too, am going to do the um, Derby Festival in Louisville on the 29th. Oh, perfect. We should, we should hook you up. Yes. Hopefully we'll have an AMR party there. Yeah. Um, on our own. I think Amanda just answered the question. Um, I flipped from heart rate training over to um, the traditional plan again simply because my heart rate training pace is so incredibly slow that it's annoying even after, you know, six months. But I was recently diagnosed with asthma, so hopefully that's part of my problem because my lungs get out before my body does. Sure. Yeah. So I just want to make sure that I'm not going to sabotage training here by continuing running, you know, extremely slow on my easy days, which you just answered that. So basically that's fine. Um, but when I do the speed work, um, I'm not going by zone three, four, five. I'm going by what my normal 5K, 10K, and half marathon paces are when I actually go out and race. So there shouldn't be any problem with that, I assume. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that's that's okay. If you can translate that over um, and you like that, go go ahead and do that. 
I, I don't see anything wrong with that. Okay. And I'm doing way more, like the SSCs, I'm just assuming that's the minimum required on the uh, plan because I'm trying to get them, you know, one or two more days more just to build some more strength. Because she's there are a lot of hills here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and strength will help with hills. That's that's huge. I mean, you know, that hills are a lot about strength, actually. Awesome. Have you tried her, uh, Sandy, have you tried the prehab routine at the end of that plan um, that Coach Amanda put together? Yes, I'm, I'm doing it all. I'm doing the prehab, the SSCs, and then I'm working in BOSU and LOPES as well. Nice. Oh my gosh, rock star. You're, yeah. you're going to be a, a badass mother runner. You already are, but that's great. I mean, that's, that's, that is a great um, ingredient list for success on the hills and success in your running, right? Especially running injury-free. So that's great. Um, yeah, good for you. I do want to go back to the heart rate training to try to, you know, expand that. I know MK says spend as much time under 140 as possible. So when it gets really hot and humid here in the summer, you know, the really slow runs are, are a lot more fun. <laughs> Sure. And a lot of that is, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, people are like, well, you have so many different things going on. And really, we don't. I mean, because I, I mean, we do in that, you know, some, you know, uh, the heart rate training is a little bit more stringent than this. But I mean, Coach MK, Coach Amanda, Coach Stephanie, who's doing the ultra programs, I mean, easy effort runs are easy effort runs. And that's really, that's a long run. That's a recovery run. You know, they just call them different things. But that's really, you know, MK kind of teaches you how how easy it should be but and through your heart rate but Amanda and Stephanie are doing it through words I mean it's it's the same thing and, and it's really you know part of it is that you just have to kind of own your pace right and own your body and own your effort and not worry about the ego not worry about you know what other people are going to think not worry about the guy who's shooting up behind you on the hill now I'm sitting here at my tiny room table and I know it's so much easier said than done and I I race the person on the treadmill next to me at the gym just as much as everyone else does, you know, but, you know, as much as you can try to kind of soak that in and, um, and, uh, you know, really try to just kind of keep your eyes on yourself, be where your feet are. What other, what other things could I say like that? But I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like as much as you can just know what your easy effort is and own that, that's great. You know, I mean, that's really just going to benefit you, you know, many, many miles to come. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Cool. I wish I could go to Kentucky. It sounds lovely. <laughs> it is awesome. Between Kentucky and uh, Cincinnati, it's it's a good place to be. A lot of great races around here all year round. Definitely. Right. Definitely. Cool. Well, thanks for being part of the challenge and, and for being here today, Sandy. Thank you. Awesome. Okay. Um, a couple more questions here. Um, uh, Stacy's wondering, she's in the marathon program. Uh, she lives in North Dakota and she's stuck on the treadmill frequently in the winter. Um, she is a dawdler on the treadmill, um, quite a bit slower than outside on the road. I believe she said she thinks this is affecting her form. And because of that, she's been dealing with a cranky, tight, right glute. Any suggestions for changing my form to my natural running form or how I run outside and increasing my pace um, on the treadmill. She says my average pace is probably a good one to two miles per hour slower on the treadmill. M or miles per minute, mile per minute, maybe. Minute per mile, minute per mile, MPM. I'm not used to that. <laughs> right, right. Minute, minute per mile um, on the treadmill. So, so Stacy's wondering, she just feels like the treadmill is basically like, you know, totally tweaking everything that she knows about running outside. So how can we kind of help her find her groove? 
Um, I, well, my first comment is going to be that, you know, I think the majority of treadmills are probably not calibrated exactly right. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, and I can tell you because I've got one in my basement and, um, and I, I just know, I know it's not right, you know, because I know what I, what, uh, what I'm, I'm very good at tuning into what a certain pace feels like, and I, and I know, you know, what, what mine feels like. And so I would say, first of all, don't get too wrapped up in the pace that it's telling you you're running, um, and, and, and more just um, what I would do is say six miles takes you X number of minutes on the road, you're going to run X number of minutes on the treadmill and okay. not worry about what the pace feedback is from your treadmill. Um, that would be my, my biggest advice on that. Um, in terms of it changing your form and feeling different about that, that's that's hard. I have to say, I, I don't have a good answer for that. I don't yeah. know what to tell you about that. Um, you know, I... I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so that's that, I mean that's tough. That's a that's a I mean it's a physical therapy thing. I mean a cranky right glute. I don't think based on um just a man and I both um having a lot of experience. Neither one of us are physical therapists. Um but I I my gut is that it's probably not from the treadmill. It's probably from um your hip strength, um your inability to engage your glutes, which sounds like I'm criticizing you and I'm not because most of us don't engage our glutes on our run. Um, you know, I mean, this hamstring thing that I was talking about, um, with Jen Rucker, you know, that is actually coming It is, I have a, it goes into my glute and it actually probably, um, begins in my thoracic spine, which is the middle of my, it's the middle part of your back that doesn't move. Right. So it's, it's, there's so many, uh, you know, an, an injury presents itself in your knee or your glute or your ankle or whatever. And in fact, it start somewhere else that you wouldn't expect. And so, you know, um, without having, you know, we're not asking you to do a ton of things and hopefully not spend a lot of money, but Stacy, if, if that keeps up, I would say I would want you to go, we would want you to go see a physical therapist just to, again, have that, um, evaluation to see how your SI joint is, see how your hip strength is, see how your alignment is, see, um, how you, you know, whether your glutes are firing or not. I mean, and this is all can be done in a, you know, 15 minute session. It's not a long, you know, it's not like a two hour long appointment. It sounds like a lot, but it's not. So, um, yeah, without watching you on the treadmill, it's hard to know. So I guess, um, that's where I would probably start. I would do, um, hip strengthening exercises for sure. And I can't remember, I don't think we put the loops in here. We have a loop circuit, which is, um, resistant loops, which is the same thing as a resistance band. Um, you know, so you're doing like the monster walk across the floor. You're doing like, you know, clock dial things. It's a lot of the same kind of motions that, um, the same kind of, uh, muscles that we're trying to engage with Amanda's prehab thing. But if you want to try that, you know, just email me at clamclub at gmail.com. And I'm happy to give you um, a link to the loops in the Amazon store. It's like 13 bucks for six of them. And, um, and then point you to all the different circuits that we have, and we'll, we'll be adding to those as well. So, um, just because we don't have them necessarily in this exact challenge doesn't mean that we don't want you to have access to them. So I guess that's, that's uh, what we can do with that question. Um, so the last question I have here is from Angie. Um, I have not started as I'm in a later wave, but looking at the plan, we do long runs on Saturday and a shorter run on Sunday. Do you, Rebecca? Do you recommend an easy run the day after a long run, or we, can we put that run, so the Sunday run, as a midweek run? I work full time, and Sunday is my only day to sleep in. 
I run before work during my week and try to get a really early start on my long runs, but I really want to PR. So if you think this is important, I will do it. <laughs> um, so what do you think about moving things around? I, I, um, you have Monday as a day off and you have Saturday as a long run and Sunday as either like a three or four mile or, or a circuit run that has some strength training built into it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a, a couple of reasons why I did it the way I did it. Um, one was honestly, I was looking. I figured for most people, weekends are easier for getting runs in um, because you, you know, you don't have the obligations of, of work or getting your kids to school or whatever it might be. Um, so that's really not impactful in terms of training. Um, when it comes to an easy run the day after a long run, I like that combination because I think it's a great way to kind of just flush your legs out. A little bit of movement is fantastic. To, to help recovery and, and help help kind of give it a, a, a kick in the pants. Um, all that said, I you know I, I honestly I just think that the most important thing is that it's working for your lifestyle. And so if you want to take Sundays as your day off and you know shift that easier run to Monday, that's great. Um, I just don't want to see you you know doing long run on Sunday, speed work on Monday or something like that. You know I, I want to I want you to keep the the kind of hard easy pattern going um, so that there's recovery built in for the longer, harder efforts. Um, and, and, and then, um, you can go on from there. So. Perfect. Perfect. Well, so, um, this has been really helpful. Thank you, coach Amanda. And thanks, um, for everyone who's joined us today and everyone who will listen later. Um, I know Jen Savage will be in Pittsburgh and I know I'll be in Pittsburgh and coach Amanda will be in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is our target race for the spring, um, meaning that we are going to have a critical mass of mother runners. So there'll be people from this challenge. There'll be people from the heart rate challenge. And then we'll also um, just tell people about it on the AMR website as well. So we will have a a, a good cheering sections um, for the half and full, hopefully. And then we'll also have a shakeout run. Um, and we will have some kind of uh, get together to be determined, um, kind of pulling together numbers. And that's why I'm bringing this up now is um, earlier this week, I sent out an email asking you guys to tell us if we're going to Pittsburgh, tell us if you are coming to Pittsburgh. And then also, if you're not, um, telling us where you're racing. Um, and I'm going to send it one more time. So if you happen to um, delete it or not open it or it went to spam, um, we just want to kind of know where you're racing because then once we start um, planning our pre-race webinars, you know, if we've got seven people going to race in Kentucky, you know, we'll we'll take a look at the course and we can talk about it with you. We'll talk you through it and that kind of thing. So, um, so it's just helpful information for us to have. So, um, I think that's it. If you need anything, like I said, if you want to change your training plan, if you want to connect with Coach Amanda over email about a certain situation that you have coming up. Um, you know, you can always email us at clamclub at either gmail.com or anothermotherrunner.com. We're switching that over, but they all go to the same place right now. And then, of course, there's the Sunday night um, Q&A that Amanda puts up. And, um, and then we'll do another one of these in, um, you know, probably three to four weeks. So thanks for um, attending, and we will see you next time, right? Yeah, sounds good. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.